0: Alright, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at SuperBook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to be back in the saddle here. Took a little bit of a break at the end of this last week, uh, but just wanted to hop back on and wrap up these top 10 center rankings. Uh this is the culmination, I would say, of all of the positional rankings that I've done so far, and I am looking forward to seeing what everybody's takes are when it comes to the top ten centers in the NBA. Uh, but first, I do have a special announcement. Uh, really excited to be able to drop this here. Uh, it's nothing too crazy. I, I don't want to like don't want to get hyped up or everything hyped up too much, but. Swipea has been in Colorado. I know five 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 ish has been on the scene here. He knows what's going on. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Swipea is. I'm not going to like do anything too crazy here because I mean Swipea is still still working some stuff out. But basically, over the course of these last this last week or so, we've been recording a ton of content. There is a ton of content coming between myself and Swipea. Over the course of these next few weeks, Um, we've got plenty of stuff dropping. We've got stuff in person. We've got stuff over the top. Um, But there's going to be a lot of swipe of content between him and I. We're going back and forth in a lot of these. And the one thing that I can definitely drop that I know we're going to be able to do uh, that we have recorded, uh, we're going to rank the top players of all time. We are ranking and doing a list of the top 20 NBA players in NBA history, and that will be dropping in segments. It's long. It's a lot of content. It's a lot of great conversation. And Swipea went off on some of the takes that I had. I had some of the takes that uh, that Swipea had. We, we, we went back and forth on a lot of this stuff, but... Uh, Two different perspectives, two completely different perspectives, two different people coming together, trying to rank the top players of all time. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if Swipa, he he had a good time with it too, and we've got a lot of stuff that we've been been covering. So hope everybody could be excited for that, and I'm looking forward to that. I've also got a couple of other things in the pipeline working. I don't want to spoil those quite yet because uh, there are some details that have to be ironed out, but... We've got a lot of things working and I know that the content that I will be bringing to the Mile High Sports channel, it's a little bit different this year than it was last year where last year it was just purely podcasts. This year is going to be a little bit different. So I am looking forward to it. Um, Hurricane, just uh, what's the announcement just got here? Going to be ranking the top 20 players of all time with Swipe A Cam and that is a, a studio sit down. So we are... We are doing some like it's, it's long too. like a, the reason why I wanted to announce it uh, was because we've got pl- there's there's plenty of takes that we get to fire off on this one that people are going to be incensed about. So <laughs> looking forward to it for sure. Uh, hopefully everybody can be excited about it. But uh, that's that. Uh, now let's get into the bulk of the podcast. And most important thing. Um, oh, Philip, actually, we're going to. We're gonna we're gonna just have to wait and see, man. Uh, don't wanna don't wanna spoil anything, but you, you may you may or may not see Nikola Jokic at the at the top 20. I think that he is he, he might be prevalent there. So looking looking forward to being able to chat about that. Um all right. Back at it. Top 20. Uh, top twenty players of all time will be talked about soon. Um uh, but now we're gonna rank the top centers in the entire league currently. And this is a completely different conversation now because it is pretty definitive. It has been pretty definitive ever since April, May, 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 probably. Uh, I know a lot of people would have had Joel Bede in the same tier or above Nikola Jokic. It's hard to argue for that anymore. Uh, but there's a lot of layers to this position. There's a lot of people that can be a part of this discussion. And I am looking for like just looking at the list and seeing everybody that was on it. Was pretty interesting to see how much depth there is, and how pretty much every team has a quality starting center. It just kind of depends on the flavor of the month and what you're choosing. And then rather than like, okay, so you start to see some improvements in the top 10, and then the top four or five, and then the top three guys basically, and the top guy itself, they're they're completely separated themselves. So without further ado, uh, the criteria that I have for this list player that most that creates the most positive impact for their team in both the regular season and the playoffs. That's the most important aspect of this in my eyes and I look forward to um I look forward to being able to argue about it. I look forward to being able to hear everybody own, everybody's own opinions on what this list looks like. So, without further ado, number 1 is Nikola Jokic. I don't want to dilly-dally on this one too much because I mean it is pretty easy to figure out here between him and Joel Embiid the last 3 MVPs in the NBA he is the all everything for the Nuggets he is everything that you want in a center offensively and defensively it's taken him a while to i think work up to the place where he is now but it's pretty clear that when he's not being dragged down physically by having to carry a team for an entire season. He's okay defensively. He's okay. There's no problem with what he does defensively. He does it a little bit differently than your traditional centers. But I got to be honest, like he defends a little bit more like a power forward. He defends a little bit more like somebody who is uh up at the level, aggressive with their hands a lot of the time trying to be as aggressive and up into people and getting steals and deflections as possible. But then he also does have skills as a traditional five, of course. His rebounding is great. Uh, He occasionally has some really good verticality, being that he's seven foot three with his wingspan. Uh, But I do think that it's interesting that the the defense was perfectly fine in the playoffs. I think I saw this stat. I saw it come up across the timeline, uh, I think yesterday or the day before that the nuggets in the finals had the highest defensive rating of any team since the like or second highest in the last like 10 years basically maybe it was 5 years it was one it was a a large uh breakdown and it kind of shocked me like their defensive rating now i don't want to sit here and say oh yeah the miami heat were a juggernaut offensively but they went through a lot of great defenses And the Nuggets were the only team that actually slowed them down in any which way. And so it's pretty impressive that Jokic was able to capitalize on that and able to really captain one of those defenses. Uh, It's not the thing that I think people give him the most credit for, which is obviously the offense. It's the passing. It's the scoring. It's the, uh, the breakdown of what he does for an offense and then how he can take advantage of every other defense possible. But I do think that with Jokic playing at the level that he is, there is no question that he's the top guy. At one point, like I said, there was. At one point, I think you could make the argument that Jokic and Embiid were in the same tier. But I think that as one of those guys has had another playoff failure, the other guy has risen to the occasion on several occasions. And even when the chips were down, still playing great basketball. So Jokic deserves this spot. Uh, For the foreseeable future, he will be the top center in the NBA. He might be the top center in the NBA for the rest of his prime, and if that's the case, and you're just dominating a position like that, then like the the actual, like it's an entire position, and if you're at the top of it for the entirety of your career, you're probably going to be ranked pretty high on some all time rankings. So should be interesting to see. Obviously, what Jokic does on the offensive end, nobody else can replicate. Nobody, not a single person, and. It's pretty cool to see. All right. Um, let's see. Let's just answer some of these. Hurricane says, it's easy to argue. Jokic is in is, – Embiid isn't Jokic steer. You have to be a huge dumbass. Yeah. I mean, hey, look. <laughs> it's completely understandable. I get it. I get it. There was a lot of – there's a lot of people that have to walk back a lot of statements that they made. Uh, Jokic won, obviously. Cedric says, we be Bam in the Heat. Uh, Also, don't forget the circuit shots Jokic did against other centers. Yeah, I mean, some of the shots that he made in the Western Conference Finals, especially, those are shots that he makes. But the fact that he does make them and actually has a chance to make them, a pretty good chance to make them, is ludicrous. It's just disgusting how good that he was at various points in that series. Simon asks, when will the end of Jokic's prime be for you? Uh, it's a great question because right now Jokic is 28. He will turn 29 in February. I don't know what it's going to look like physically, but I think that over the course of these next four or five years will be where his physical prime continues and he will still have the same amount of lift and same amount of movement speed. As long as he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood, uh, I think that he will still have four to five years of him being at his physical prime. But what we've seen from the really smart NBA players of this generation and of previous generations is that you can extend your prime as long as you want, as long as you're an intelligent human being who knows how to play. And Jokic is one of the most intelligent human beings we've ever seen from a basketball perspective. So I think that there is at least a strong possibility that he plays until he's 36, 37. And if that's the case, then we're talking like all-time great status for obvious reasons. And I, there's also a very strong possibility that he just retires at the end of this contract when he starts to feel himself slowing down. So I don't want to speak one way or the other on it, but I do think that his physical prime and how long he can continue to handle both things physically and mentally, probably until he's age 32. That would be my guess. And then we might start to see him slow down just a little bit. Because, I mean, look, I know that modern medicine has been a marvel and that it has extended a lot of people's careers. He's not LeBron James from a physical perspective. He's not even Steph Curry. Uh, Steph is one of the most highly conditioned athletes in the NBA. I don't think that Jokic is that, but he's close. He's really, really close. And I I don't want to undersell him. So it's very possible that I am underselling him, for being honest. All right. Let's move to number two, Joel Embiid. Uh, Embiid is in, he's not in the Jokic tier. He's in the all NBA, like borderline MVP caliber tier. And the regular season MVP is Nuggets fans have had to endure in a lot of their conversations with, with folks. Regular season conversation is different from the playoff conversation. Unfortunately for Joel Embiid, and unlike Nikola Jokic, those conversations are completely different. And one was brought from a, a strength of weakness for Jokic. With Embiid, like, he hasn't had a great postseason yet. It's just a fact. And a lot of that can be boiled down to injuries, but some of it can also be boiled down to mentality and skill set and effectiveness when the pressure gets turned up. And... As great as Embiid is during the regular season, he is as much of a wins machine, as much as an, of an impact machine, as just about anybody else. The only question is whether he's going to play as many games as everybody else. This last year he played enough. There was no question about that. As he continues to age, as he continues to evolve, I think there's a possibility that he continues to play about 60 games a year. And if that's the case and he's not playing a ton, just being seven foot two. As big as he is, uh, that is a a really tough frame to continue to stay healthy. And it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of devolves a little bit over the course of these next couple of years and isn't at this peak level. But hey, who knows? Like, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he continues to play at this this level through his age 32 season like I'm talking about with Jokic. Like, there's no, there's no reason why he can't. Uh, the skill level is still there. He's continuing to improve as a passer, and the defense, as long as he continues to maintain some semblance of versatility, should be good enough. Uh, I do think that his athleticism, when it lessens, it probably hurts him a little bit more than it hurts Jokic, because a lot of his is about recovery speed and quick moves on the perimeter and drawing fouls and things like that. If you don't have the physical traits in order to get to your spots and, and cut people off, then that could be a little bit difficult. So, I don't know whether he's going to stay as healthy. Like he just doesn't have that track record and I don't know if he's ever going to be number 1 on this list. Like I'm coming from a place of bias, I know, but uh, Jokic has proven it over and over and over again that he's that dude in the playoffs. And B just hasn't. So, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can prove that wrong. I think that he will be out for a little bit of vengeance after the way the the season ended last year and with what's going on with James Harden right now after the Ben Simmons situation. So we will see what he can handle. But I'm very curious as to what Joel Embiid is going to look like over the course of these next couple of seasons. All right, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do the rest of the list, of the uh, top part of the list and obviously the Jokic and Embiid stuff. That is a big piece of this, but let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do 3 through 10. But first, folks, why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, why don't you try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you the, the bonus that you're looking for to sign up. They're going to give you 250 bucks upon sign up. All you got to do is sign up. They'll give you that bonus. And when you do and wager that on the same day, make sure to use promo code MILEHI. So, best with the best, uh, bet with the best, excuse me, and use promo code MILEHI this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe or Axe and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show? Uh, like and subscribe to this YouTube channel, of course. Uh, can, continue to see the growth, continue to see what Cody's been doing on the on the football side, and obviously, with you doing what they've been doing. Uh, mile High Sports is a great place to get all of your mile high content, your sports content. That's what it's pretty easy. Mile High Sports, you, you want that. So If you're looking for your CU updates or your Denver Broncos updates during the football season, then this is a great place to be. So make sure to subscribe below. All right, back to it, back on this top center's list. Number three is Anthony Davis. I think that for so long, Anthony Davis was considered a power forward. And for some people, he still is considered a power forward just playing center this last year. I think he's a center. I think now at this stage of his career, he is at his best when he's playing the center position, and he played great. (laughs) The playoffs were very, very impressive from Anthony Davis. Every other game um, had a lot of opportunities, especially during the playoffs, to show up on a consistent basis. The defense was always there. I don't want to penalize him too much, but the offense was every other day. It was every other game. And he just does not have the consistency, I don't think, to rise into the top tier. I would consider um, I would consider Jokic and maybe Embiid in that top tier. And I think that Davis is in the next tier below that. Um, just all NBA caliber. Clearly one of the best at his position, but has flaws. And one of those flaws is that his jumper is not very good. Uh, another is that he's not the playmaker for others. That you need to be in order to be the number one option on a championship team. And then the health, uh, along with Joel Embiid, he's definitely been one of the guys in the NBA that's been the most impacted by negative health. So I think that he's in a great spot, though. The Lakers are a great spot for him. And playing with LeBron has really helped uh, center his career around another great ball handler. So it has lessened the pressure that Davis has felt. Think about this. like. They won the championship back in 2020. And then the next two years, yes, Anthony Davis had some down uh, down portions, but he didn't really have too much pressure on him. The pressure was still on LeBron for the most part, and then Russell Westbrook for every little issue that that really went on. And Davis, all he had to do was just accept playing the five, and, and they were pretty good as a result. So look, they got to the Western Conference Finals this last year, ran into a better team. I think that the Lakers, like, like There's a reason why they like Davis is so high on this list. It's because nobody else can really compete with him outside of the top two guys. So impressive stuff, deserves a lot of credit, and I think three is a perfectly reasonable place for him. Number four, Bam Adebayo. Uh, interesting that Denver had to go through as many centers as they did. There's uh, another couple of centers on this list that they also had to play through. Uh, but Bam Adebayo, NBA Finals multiple times, been to Eastern Conference Finals multiple times with the Miami Heat, and his game just continues to get better. I think his versatility, I think as a defensive player, as a guy who can do a little bit of scoring off of pick and roll and, and as a DHO threat, he is one of those guys that uh, I think is the steadiest option of this next tier. I think you could see a clear break between Davis and Bam Adebayo. But I think you could also see a clear break between Bam Adebayo and the rest of the entire league because everybody else has clear flaws. Everybody else at the center spot. There are no players that are as well-rounded going forward as Bam Adebayo is and deserves a lot of credit for anchoring a defense, although his defensive numbers have definitely dipped over the course of this last year. That's because of the pressure of playing that position while well, he's six foot eight, six foot nine. That is really tough, so deserves credit, but I do think that if Miami is going to survive for the long haul, if they are going to be a great team for a long time, Bam Adebayo is going to have to get some help up front because being the only big man when you are only 6'8 or 6'9 is really tough. So really talented player and will continue to be on this list as long as he stays healthy. Number five, Domantas Sabonis of the Sacramento Kings. I think he won third-team All-NBA this last year and absolutely deserved it. Uh, Deserves a lot of credit for the Sacramento Kings revival. De'Aaron Fox gets most of the credit, and rightfully so, I think. But Demonta Sabonis is one of those guys that is going to be consistently underrated because he's not Nikola Jokic, but he operates an offense just about as well as anybody else outside of Nikola. And that's a an important skill because it allows De'Aaron Fox to kind of stagger with the second unit to play against other weak opportunities. And and Sabonis, same thing. He's uh he's a really talented player, obviously exposed a little bit in the playoffs this last year by the Golden State Warriors uh, in a situation where Nikola Jokic really dominated against Draymond Green and Kevon Looney. Sabonis did not. <laughs> Sabonis was a, uh, he was really struggling to finish against Kevon Looney. And that's just, that can't happen. Like he's got to be better. He has to have better touch as a center because he's not going to get space. And you have to find ways to generate those good shots and make and, and convert those good looks. So I do think that he has some staying power. He has the ability to ri- rise up this list if he wanted to, or if uh, if other guys kind of fell down a little bit from injury. But I do think that Sabonis is just one of those players that you never you never think about at the top of the list, but he does deserve to be here. So, good stuff from him. Number six, a guy that I think a lot of people would have considered a top three guy as soon as maybe a couple of years ago, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns, really fallen down this list a little bit, has not played well when the lights have been bright. And really even based based off of my criteria for making this list, should not have been a center. He should have been a power forward because Rudy Gobert is on his team and you'll see Rudy Gobert in just a little bit. But I think that Carl Anthony Towns is a very talented player who is in a tough situation trying to play next to a blossoming superstar in Anthony Edwards. Seeing the issues that that entire roster has faced, kind of the ups and downs of it. Uh, he came back from injury last year, basically missed Fifty games, fifty-five games during the middle of the year, so that's a really tough situation to recover from. And then playing power forward next to Rudy Gobert, who's a center, like that's a really tough thing for a player that's basically played the five for uh, six of the seven years of his career. So, look, I think that he's a very talented player. He is a a guy who is misunderstood and wants to do the right thing, but he also just doesn't a lot of the time and. It's a pretty weak, uh, a weak output that he has, especially when the playoffs are are out there, and especially when the lights are bright. Him being shut down by Aaron Gordon for much of that series was eye opening for a lot of people, and it reminded me a lot of PJ Tucker and Lukemba Mute and uh, guys like that back in twenty eighteen when he first went to the playoffs and when. The Minnesota Timberwolves won game 82 against the Nuggets back five years ago. And he struggled in that series, matching up with the small ball and trying to keep up with what was going on and just didn't really have it. So I don't know if that's what's going on again. I don't think that's what's going on, but I just also don't trust him to be a number one op- option on my team. Like he just, I don't think he can be. And that's fine. He's just got to be a two, he's got to be willing to buy into that. Number seven, Rudy Gobert. Teammates with Carl anthony Towns, a very abnormal look, obviously, between those two guys, and I think that Towns and Gobert kind of benefit from each other, but also are definitely hindered by each other in a lot of different ways. Gobert's really, really good, and I think that the defensive end, obviously, it's undervalued in a lot of these conversations, but... This is really the lowest that I could have put Rudy, because everybody else that you could technically put above him on this list, I think is just in a separate tier. Like They are clearly role-playing starters, clearly guys that can't really anchor uh, any team on, on either end of the floor. Uh, Rudy can Rudy absolutely has that capability and, and is just a, a great, great, great defensive player. And does add value on the offensive end with his rim rolling, but it's just not enough value to consider putting him higher on this list because he just struggles a lot of the time when he is outside of three feet. There's too much that he cannot do, and it bothers his teams. It makes things easier to guard, and it makes life more difficult for the players that he's playing with when other teams just don't respect him. So I think he's talented. I think he's really good unfortunately, that is a big aspect of this. Number eight, I have Jared Allen here. Uh, Start to really get into, like I said, role-playing starter kind of territory here. Jared Allen is good. He made an All-Star team for uh, when the All-Star game was in Cleveland, and that was a really cool moment a couple of years ago. This last year kind of took a step back as Evan Mobley took a little bit of a step forward. And then in the playoffs, uh, kind of unfortunately pushed around by Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle and Isaiah Hartenstein and guys like that, the New York Knicks just took it to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm not going to overly penalize him for it because I, I just want to see what happens after he gets punched in the mouth that one time because he's still so young. I'm pretty sure that Allen is still, like he's a 2019 draft pick, so there's still time for him. Uh, But I do think that he has to figure some stuff out. If he doesn't, then he is going to really be bothered for the rest of his career by a soft label. And I don't think that he's soft. Like, I think he is very capable. It just, I think he was surprised. So we will see kind of in the same way that Rudy Gobert uh, operates. He is more of a, a rim runner, rim roller, does score a little bit more than a guy like Gobert. Uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with Darius Garland as a playmaker rather than Jared Allen as a dynamic scoring talent. So we'll see what ultimately happens. But I think uh, Allen is probably like this might be the ceiling for where he's at. And then as other young guys come in and really start to play well, it wouldn't surprise me if he falls down this list. Number nine, Brooke Lopez. Older guy, somebody who with the way that he plays and his style and how unique he is as a big man who could space the floor but also protects the rim at a really high rate, Uh, surprised that he was this low. I did not expect him to be this low. I thought that he would be at least 8. But going into the numbers a little bit and seeing where he's at with his career definitely slowed down a little bit. Definitely not as good as he had been in previous years, I mean, this this past defensive season was very good for him. But there's just not enough that he's doing, and there's enough weaknesses that he has when he's playing out there that I think it it really changes the complexion of his actual value when he's playing next to other stars. Maybe if he's not playing next to Giannis and he's playing next to just a traditional floor spacing four, or even just like a, a nice like role playing four. You might see him play a little bit differently, but last year played 78 games and was really good doing it. Um uh, 37% from three after a couple of lower seasons. Actually, in each of the previous few seasons, he had been lower. So the three point shot is still a weapon for him. Um but in the playoffs, like just wasn't I mean, he was fine, like he was good. The defense that he played didn't matter as much because the heat just shot over it. They just shot around it. They gave up they took the shots that Brooke Lopez gives up and that the Milwaukee Bucks give up and they made them. And that is a very dangerous aspect of it. Um oh, Cedric says Allen is a 2017 pick. Yeah, no that that's uh, my fault. My fault. I thought he was 2019. So he's old, he's way older than I thought he was. Uh but it is what it is. Um <laughs> Cedric also says Brooke is still way better than Robin though. Agreed, but Robin is not on this list. Uh, so I guess I guess you are right. I guess you're right, my friend. Um yeah, so Brooke Lopez is fine. He's a like he's I think slowing down, and this will be his age 35 season. So that is that is a lot. That is a lot. This is right around that time where you just kind of fall off the cliff a little bit from a, a health perspective and from a physicality standpoint and a speed standpoint. So we will see what happens with Brooke. Uh, but pretty good year this last year, but I just, I don't see it as extremely helpful. Although 2.5 blocks per game, is <laughs> really good. It's really, really good. All right. Last one here on the top 10. I'm putting DeAndre Ayton on this list. I thought that I would put other guys here. I thought that I might put Wendell Carter. I thought I might put Miles Turner. I ended up just putting Ayton here because I think that he is the better player. He's a little bit different than those other guys, but as somebody who's watched Aiton over the course of these past few years, watched him, especially when he's against the Nuggets, yes, he's not as good as Nikola Jokic, but Aiton more than just about any other of those bigs outside of, I don't know, well, none of those bigs. Like We'll say outside of Embiid. Aiton's the guy that scores the most, and the reason why he scores the most is because he's so lethal from that floater zone that when he gets that ball there, you know that it's going up and you know it's going in, and he's extremely good at that. And to have that level of touch at seven foot one is really, really impressive. The problem, and what the Phoenix Suns are trying to do with him, or what they have been trying to do with him, is that he shouldn't be limited to that much. He averaged 18 points and 10 rebounds. But he's only averaged 1.7 assists and basically throughout his entire career, 1.6 assists about. He needs to have the ball more in positions where he's playmaking. That might not be in his game. It, it might just not be. But he is a good player. He is a very capable athlete and like just does a lot when you're matching up with a player like Nikola. Um Now, there's only so much that a player can do (laughs) when they're matching up with Nikola Jokic, but I think Aiton does about as good of a job as you could possibly ask for. Efficiency went down a little bit this past year, just looking through the numbers, but uh, still a very, very good player. I think that the defense, it looked bad against Nikola. Against everybody else, it's generally pretty good. So, we will see whether he can bounce back a little bit, maybe rise up this list. But former number one overall pick in 2018, I still hold out hope that Aiton's good and that he's a, he's a very, very talented piece. Uh, whether that actually happens for the Phoenix Suns or not, that remains to be seen. Other guys that were on the borderline of the top 10, I had Wendell Carter 11, uh, or no, uh, Miles Turner 11, Wendell Carter 12, Nicholas Claxton 13, Al Horford 14, and Mitchell Robinson 15. Uh, those guys are all good. It really is just like a uh, pick your pick your poison with one of those guys. It's like all of them have strengths, all of them have weaknesses. All of them are flawed. It is not like a a clear option for any of those. It's just about what you're hoping for with a player. But they're all basically in the same tier. Miles Turner, the best shooter of that group outside of maybe Horford. Uh, Wendell Carter, I think, is the best interior like post defender. Claxton and Robinson are good rim protectors from a uh, help standpoint. And Robinson's probably the most efficient of them, but that's because he takes the the least responsibility on the offensive end. So uh, they're all good in their own different ways, but it's just about what you need from the rest of your starters in order to figure out which center you think is actually the best. And then other guys that I think you could nominate on that list, Evisa Zubac, I had 16. Robert Williams, Clint Capella, Nikola Vucevic, Kevon Looney, Alper and Shangoon, Walker Kessler, Stephen Adams, Jonas Valanciunas, and Jakob Pertl. You can make a case for any of those guys, and it's interesting. I put twenty-five centers on here. This is uh, another ten names that are scrolling across the bottom. Any of those guys could be your starting center. You'd probably be pretty happy. Um, of the teams that have won the championship in the last several years, the lowest rated of those is Kevon Looney. Uh, But that's because he's being surrounded by elite shooting, elite spacing, and another player in Draymond Green who could slide to the small ball five. So mostly you have to have a guy who is top 10. And Brook Lopez is clearly that. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I think, counts there. Anthony Davis counts there. Nikola Jokic, obviously. And then We'll see with Joel Embiid whether he can be the leader of a team like that. But it is interesting to see. It's interesting to think about. And I think the center is clearly making a return. We'll see where Victor Wembanyama ranks on this list. But I think that he is coming. He's very, very, uh, I think he's definitely on the doorstep as are Alper and Shang-Goon and Walker Kessler. I think those guys, as they continue to grow, will probably hop on this top 10 sooner rather than later. All right. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about Zeke Nagy, Uh wrap up with that, and that should be very fun. But first, this message from Good Morning Broncos. Good morning, Broncos. 9 a.m. every week, uh, every every weekday, basically. I think that Cody Rourke has done a great job, and he's on the Mile High Sports YouTube channel doing that. Obviously, uh, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to follow along for that if you're waking up in the mornings and you're interested in what's going on with the Broncos. Wake up with Cody. He's uh, he's doing great stuff. All right, final segment here. I want to talk about Zeke. I want to talk about Zeke Nagy. Uh, since we're talking about centers, I thought that this would be a good time Uh kind of pigeonhole this. These are just more ramblings rather than uh, major coherent thoughts. But I wanted to be able to mention this because I think that Zeke is one of those guys that doesn't get a lot of discussion from the Nuggets fan base. He hasn't been in the playoff rotation either the last two years, but has been kind of in and out of the regular season rotation. He's done some great things and has done some bad things, has been what the Nuggets have needed at various points and has been different from what the Nuggets have needed at various points. And he's one of those guys, I think, that he stands out in some of the good ways. Uh, I think the vision regarding Zeke Nagy is that he is a pivotal rotation player that can definitely step up given the injuries that have occurred and given the absences that are now here. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, they're out, they're not here. Uh, Christian Brown is still here. Peyton Watson will probably step up in in some regard there. But Vlaco Chanchar was going to be the other guy to step up. Now, Vlako Chanchar is out with the torn ACL. He just had surgery. So I don't know what it's going to look like from a rotation perspective. Think about what the Nuggets did with their rotation this last year. In the playoffs, they played their five starters. Then they would bring in Bruce Brown, take out Jamal Murray. And then they would bring in Christian Brown and Jeff Green. Christian Brown is still there. He's going to elevate into that Bruce Brown role, I think. But Jeff Green's not. And Flacco Chanchar was going to step into that role. Is that going to be Zeke NASHI now? Is that going to be Peyton Watson now? Is Zeke just a center? Or can he play some four? Can he play some power forward next to Nicola? What's that look like? What does, he, what does it look like when he's playing there? What does it look like when he's playing next to Aaron Gordon, for example? Can he play next to Aaron Gordon? What does that look like? Uh, I think that Zeke just kind of stepped into a surprising role for the Nuggets. And given how young he is, given how good he is at his age, I think that there's still a strong possibility that he is a piece of Denver's future. He's going to turn 23 in January. He's still 22. And you think about... How impressive it was that Christian Brown was playing when he was playing. Uh, Think about this. I'm just going to go look up Christian Brown's birthday. I love the dude. Zeke Nagy's birthday is January 9th, 2001. Christian Brown's birthday is April 17th, 2001. They're three months apart. And Zeke's been in the league for another two years. So he has a little bit of seasoning here, he has a little bit of perspective here. There is reason to believe that in Zeke Nagy's fourth season, a contract year, which I, I don't think that he's going to agree to a contract extension with Denver this year because he's going to want more than what Denver's going to be willing to offer. But because Zeke Nagy's in a contract year, because he has a position now where there is nobody that should be playing over him, zero people, he should be the first big man off the bench. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. If he's not, then that is a confusing question. Because if you're going into a year, we'll just go through the rotation options right now. What are those actual rotation options, those magical rotation options that I like to talk about? You've got your starting five of Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, and KCP. Gordon can slide to the five, yes. Porter can slide to the four, yes. He's not a five, though. He's not going to slide to the five. So you're going to play a backup five, and you're going to play somebody that can take some minutes, that can take some pressure off of Nikola. Now, you could go with DeAndre Jordan, but how often are you going to play DeAndre Jordan and feel really good about it? I don't think the answer is that much. I think you're probably going to play DeAndre roughly about what he played last year, which ultimately ended up being like 400 minutes, basically. It wasn't that much. It was a very low amount. DeAndre Jordan played 586 minutes, 39 games, eight starts. He started eight games when Nikola wasn't out there. And that's not surprising because you like to keep the continuity. You like to keep a rebounder out there. Uh, but they didn't win a lot of those games that DeAndre played. So, or DeAndre started. So, you're, you might want to get somebody else in there who you can develop a little bit. Now, who else is on the roster? Well, Black goes out. Blacko's not going to be there. You have two two-way guys. You have three total two-way spots, but two total uh, two-way guys. Jay Huff and Braxton Key. Jay Huff is a true seven footer uh, who has played for various programs, he's played for various teams, hasn't really latched on, played pretty well in the G League this last year, and deserves some credit for that. And he's probably going to get a training camp opportunity to be the backup center. But Zeke Nagy is also going to get that opportunity. He might even be getting some backup four minutes uh, because Braxton Key is your other backup option at the four outside of Hunter Tyson. Hunter Tyson might play. But I don't think the Hunter Tyson's big enough that he can really seriously challenge at the five. So what you're really looking at is either going with DeAndre Jordan or Jay Huff as your backup five options, or you're going with Zeke. And I think that you're probably going to want to go with Zeke for obvious reasons. I think he's the best of those players. And also think that he has the highest ceiling of those players. So if you are hoping for a magical solution... It's probably not going to happen unless Zeke is the guy who steps up and takes it. Like, he is really the only other option on the roster. Just going through and looking through the actual other roster, guys, the tallest players on the team are Jay Huff, DeAndre Jordan, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, and then Zeke Naji. Then Braxton Key, Hunter Tyson, Black Ochanchar, Peyton Watson, Aaron Gordon are all 6'8". So you're you're missing a lot of size there if you don't trust Jay Huff or DeAndre Jordan to play consistently. So my guess is that Zeke's going to get an opportunity. He's going to play that bam out of bio role in a lot of ways. He's going to do the DHOs. He's going to be six foot nine, switching everything. And Denver actually played pretty well last year when they tried that. They just didn't really sustain it during the, uh, for a longer period of time because Zeke got hurt and then they decided to move a different direction. So look, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see what actually happens here. It's going to be very interesting to see what Zeke's role looks like, but given the lack of frontcourt options, it just would not surprise me if Zeke was the guy, and this is how he can earn himself a lot of money. During his first two seasons of his NBA career, Zeke Najee shot very high percentages from three, 40.7% and 46.3%. Lower volume, didn't take a ton of threes. But this last year he took those threes and shot 26.2%. So he's got two years of being good, two years of or one year of being bad. I don't know whether he's a good shooter or not. He shoots 65% from the free throw line, so he's not a great standstill, calm free throw shooter. Is he a good three-point shooter? I don't know. Probably not. Like if if we're if we're looking at the free throw percentages or indication there, then probably not. But if he were to shoot above 35%, for example, on a higher volume of shots, and he were to be able to switch on the defensive end and guard a whole bunch of different positions and play some versatile basketball. We could be talking about a guy who makes 10 plus million next year, or the year after, makes eight figures on his next contract per season, because those kinds of guys are very valuable. They are a dime a dozen if we if we're being honest like you don't get a lot of 6 foot 9 guys that can switch all 1 through 5 and actually space the floor. It's just a very rare thing. So I that's that's the vision with Zeke. That's what you're hoping for with Zeke. Will it actually happen? That remains to be seen. He's got to shoot the ball, he's got to get the opportunities, he's got to handle himself. He's improved as a center. He's improved on the center skill traits over this last year. And I think that going into this next season, you might see a different version of Zeke Naji. Somebody who is a little bit more sure of himself, a little bit more confident in himself, and also has something really to play for from a, a contractual standpoint. So going to be interesting to see what he does. I am looking forward to it. But everybody, really for now, I think that is going to do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Really appreciate all the love and support on the show. Thank you so much, everybody for tuning in uh, once again if you missed the or if you missed the announcement at the beginning of the episode I'm going to be doing some podcasting with Swipe A Cam done some live shows recorded some live stuff really excited for that That's going to be a lot of fun and I am looking forward to everybody being able to see it because it's going to be a very very entertaining segment the top 20 players of all time love love my love myself a ranking as you guys know so Everybody, let me know down in the comments if you if you agree with the list first and foremost, uh, the top ten centers list, but also what else you want to see. Got some other fun stuff in the pipeline, and I'm looking forward to it for sure. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys very soon.